0: So let's turn to the scriptures, and we're going to read, the, as you might imagine, that passage from John, chapter 21. So we're finishing off our little uh, series in John. It started back in John 14, uh, before Easter. We picked up a chunk of Jesus' teaching, um, and Rob covered that, and now we've kind of, uh, we're covering the events before and after the crucifixion and the resurrection, so finish off John, and then next week, we're going to be in um, 1 Samuel. So, uh, just to warn you. So if you'd like to read, it's a great story, uh, particularly if you've never read it before. Read 1 Samuel uh, 1 to 7, those, those first seven chapters. Um, uh, great story, and we'll be picking some of that up uh, next week. But let's read this, uh, page 1090 in my Bible, John 21. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, uh, because he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 metres. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Son of uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was heard because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, uh, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. And because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. (coughs) Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you, even as we read about your encounter with Peter, that you will meet us risen from the tomb. That you'll come and speak to our hearts, particularly where our hearts are, are burdened by failure. We ask you to come and scatter fear and scatter gloom. And we want to hear your voice speaking to us by your spirit through your word. Saying to us, it's forgiven. It's finished. Now love me and follow me again. We ask it, Lord, in your name, for your glory. Amen. Okay, hands up if you've never been double-minded in your Christian walk. Or put it another way, hands up if you've been single-minded in your devotion to Jesus. As Christians... We we like to think that we are the people who are for God, for Jesus, and and we are. And we'd like to say that we are single-minded about him, but so often it's not true. And this account of of Peter in John 18, you know, uh, let's not... Go back there, but you remember that he denied Jesus three times. And here in John 21 is here to remind us that even those who walked with Jesus in the flesh fell away under pressure. Under the same kind of temptation that you and I face, which is simply to own Jesus in our words in public. Even Peter, who's the most gung-ho of all disciples... Said one thing at one time and the opposite another. One moment, even if all these others, if he, even if they all fall away, I won't. I will stand by you. Next moment, I don't know him. Never met him before in my life. Who do you think I am? And I think overestimation on Peter's part of his devotion is part of the problem, part of ours probably too. So I want us to kind of follow through um, with Peter. Let's backtrack and just remind ourselves what happened. The red words are on the, um, sermon, are on the uh, sermon notes. Um, thank you all for, who spotted the technical failure last week that the red words didn't appear. I won't explain it to you now, but I can if you like. Peter's problem. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times on the day of his arrest. And we marvel, don't we? How, we marvel, don't we? Jeez, uh, Peter in the garden, sword out. Oof. Servant's here, gone. Um, and a moment later, no, not me. Wrong person. Do you have the wrong person? If you're looking for a follower of Christ, it is not me. You have the wrong person. And we marvel, don't we, at how somebody can f- uh, fall so quickly in so short a time. Um, but we do the same, and we usually do the same on a, uh, pretty much on a daily basis. Diversions in the morning, uh, reading your Bible maybe, um, praying to God, prayers of praise, get to work. Somebody says, well, how was your weekend? And you go, N-h-h-h-h-h. nothing said. We go from ardent Christian to craven denier um, in the space of a couple of hours. If, if not daily, then weekly we come and we praise our great God. And we say, you give, you give or take away. And whether you give or you take away, bless we will bless your name. And then we struggle to do that in front of, the, uh, of people who we think are cynical around us. So Peter's problem started earlier in the day. And according to Matthew, he said this. Um, Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. Because it's written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered this very night, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So he said last time, going back, or was it a couple of weeks ago, Peter's kind of presumptuous. He reckons he's courageous enough to die with Jesus. He's the great enthusiast, isn't he, Peter? But that word never is a big mistake, isn't it? Our word never is a big mistake. I will never fall away from you. I will never I will always, it's a big mistake. He's not measured his own heart. He's not got a measure of his own heart, how fallible he is. And then Peter is petrified. His fear of people and their opinion is much bigger than he thought it was going to be, I reckon. Don't you think? He's not measured the size of the task. Task of speaking out about Jesus is a profoundly difficult one. It was difficult for Peter, there, it was, it's difficult for you and I in our day and age. I think we think it ought to be easy, um, but it is not easy. It's profoundly difficult. And so as a result, Peter is prayerless. While Jesus was praying for his upcoming testing and his trial, and even Jesus goes to the Father and says, if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to need you to strengthen me. Peter doesn't. He's just a bit overwhelmed at that point. And because he's not measured his own fallibility and he's not measured the size of the task, so he's not prayed and so he falls, he fails, he discerns Jesus. So do you and I. So here's my remedy. Well, it's not my remedy, it's Jesus' remedy. You've seen some of the solutions already. Measure the strength of your heart. Be realistic about your fallibility. Measure the size of the task. Talk about Jesus and let that drive you to prayer. That's part one, but we dealt with that already. But Peter has fallen so far, and Jesus has such a great task for him, that Jesus has a much more thoroughgoing solution in hand than telling Jesus, just telling Peter to go away and pray a bit more. And it happens like this. And we read it in the passage. Okay, so this is sometime after Jesus has appeared to the eleven. John 20. Peter decides he's going out to fish. I think it's intriguing. Peter seems to always take the lead, doesn't he? It is a quality. It is a good quality. And we don't know whether he's just feeling a bit bored or whether he's kind of a... Uh, but they've got to eat. So I think they're just going out to fish because that's what they did. And they realize, um, although Jesus has risen and that's consumed all their thinking, comes a moment where you've got to kind of get on with life. Fish all night, catch nothing. It's an everyday fishing experience. Though, just going back a moment, I do love the way that Thomas is named after Peter here. You get Simon Peter and then you get Thomas and I don't know why that is but I like to think that maybe Thomas has decided that after his previous experience he's going to stick as close to Peter as possible and he's going to stick really close to to Peter and especially if John's there because he doesn't want to miss out. Uh, If if Jesus is going to appear again he doesn't want to miss out. Uh, I'm probably reading something into the text but if that's true then it pays off big time on this particular occasion. A voice calls out to them uh, across the water and the word is literally in Greek, children, but it's kind of like a bit like we would say, lads, have you caught anything, boys? Caught anything, boys? They say no. Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. What's going through their minds? Any inkling yet? Do you think? Uh, do we have any anglers? Do we have any fishermen in here? No. I've told the fairly notorious for not really wanting you to give them advice. Okay, But is there an inkling in their minds at that point? I don't know. Because they do it, uh, we, we don't read anything about that. Just, they, they do what they're told and then they can't get it back in. Can't get it into the boat. And John says, and I love this, it sends a tingle down my spine every time I say it. Uh, and John says, it's the Lord. And then Peter picks up his jacket, jumps into the water. Uh, and I think he wades to shore, probably. I don't think he can swim carrying his jacket, but who knows. There's John, always quick on the uptake. There's John, quick to make the spiritual connections. And there's Peter, always quick to act, do something about it. We've seen that before, haven't we? Do you remember? Seen that at the tomb. John makes the connection, Peter does the action. It's a good combination. They work well together, both needed in the kingdom of God. Rest of the disciples, uh, uh, once Peter's gone, they're left with this boat with a net hanging off, and they have to they have to get it into shore. And then the business starts, and I'm going to call this I'm calling this total recall. Partly because it's you know for the Arnie Schwarzenegger connection, Um, but not really. Excuse me. Jesus' solution, if you like, um, to Peter's problem, Peter's catastrophic failure, is total recall. And the first part of that is recall in the sense of, uh, of recollection. So as we saw earlier on with, with the kids, I think this encounter is going to ring bells going off in all kinds of directions. So they're sitting around this charcoal fire, as we said earlier. the setting for Peter's denials. And yet Jesus is here, reminding them of so many things. Reminding them of things that had happened around the Sea of Galilee. Walking on water, calming the storm. Temple tax in the mouth of the fish. On these shores, he fed 5,000 people. Into this water, 2,000 pigs drowned themselves. From a boat on this water, Jesus uh, delivered parables. Perhaps more recently, Peter will just remember breaking bread. With Jesus. But most fundamentally, I would think, Jesus deliberately takes him right back to the moment he first trusted him, to the moment of revelation where there was that first miraculous catch of fish, and he takes him back uh, and shows him that uh, he's not given up on him. He can do that again, he's taken him right back. Um, to the beginning, to that moment where Peter saw who Jesus was, bowed at him, said, Lord, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. And uh, and Jesus called him and, and called him to be a fisher of men. Honestly, kind of not annotated my notes properly there, so here's all the PowerPoint to go with that bit. Total recall. In other words, I think, you know, in this little moment, there are going to be multiple recollections in in Peter's mind. In the sort of, in the midst of something which reminds him of failure, there are so many things which will remind him of his original um, calling. And I commend that to you if you feel you have failed. That even in the kind of presence uh, of those feelings of failure, To come back to the cross. Go back to that moment when you were called. Go back to those moments when you were walking with Jesus and you did see what he did. And remind yourself. But it's going to get a whole lot more pointed and personal for Peter. Um, The impression is that Jesus draws Peter aside, but we're not told that. And and then this $64,000 question do you love me more than these? And you remember, of course, that Peter said the opposite. If all these fall, I never will. And there's an interesting oh, excuse me. <clears throat> there's an interesting thing going on in this passage because there are two different words for love used in the Greek two different verbs. One is agapeo, which comes from um, agape, and the other one is filio. And in, in past times, we would have said that agape is that kind of self-sacrificial, active kind of love, and, and filio is more a kind of brotherly love. And commentators nowadays um, seem to think that this is just a variation in style. That John writes like this because if he uses one word for love all all the way through, you're going to get bored. (coughs) But I can't see it. So it's really interesting that in the NIV 1984, which was the previous version of this, Jesus asked Peter those first couple of times, do you truly love me more than these? Because he uses a different word. Those first couple of times he uses this word, agapeo. And interestingly, in the new NIV, that's gone. But I think there has to be a, at least a shade of difference. This is written in New Testament Greek and uh, Peter and Jesus probably speaking Aramaic. So we don't know what words they actually use but this is the way um, John writes it down. And he, was, and he was there and he recalls it. And So the first time around uh, Jesus says, Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter replies, You know that I filio you, Jesus. And Jesus says, Feed my lambs, which we'll come back to in a minute. And a second time, Jesus says, Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter replies, You know that I filio you. And and Jesus says, Take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus asks, Peter, do you filio me? got to be something in that hasn't there the third time round Peter I'm asking you do you love me, with all your heart and your soul all your mind and you're saying Jesus I love you, I have affection for you and it's a bit like Jesus saying Peter do you, do you have affection for me and that stings Peter's hurt uh, and he's hurt either because Jesus has questioned now whether Peter loves him at all, whether there's any kind of love, quite possibly, but, but probably even more pointedly because the third time around, Peter is just, he, he knows that there are three affirmations for three denials. And I think it just hurts him to, to recall that he denied Jesus three times and in the face of saying that he loved Jesus more than these, he can just about bring himself to say, Jesus, I, yes, I love you, I'll have affection for you, Jesus. But he knows that he didn't have that kind of love that carries through into action that he said he had, that he wanted to have. And so he says, you know all things, Jesus, you see the state of my heart. You know that I do love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. How about you? So Jesus comes to you this morning and says, do you love me? What would you say? You got an affection for Jesus going on? Love Jesus with any kind of Affection? is it just a passing affection or is it a love of Jesus an agape love that's going to be put into action do you love me enough Jesus says to have this love which is going to make it through out of your private life into your public life so Peter Peter's humbled by Jesus' inquiry, but he's also specifically recommissioned. He is to feed and to take care of the sheep and the lambs. In other words, he is to pastor and teach the immature and mature believers in Christ. He's called him to be a pastor, actually. And that's how Peter understands it. You can read Peter's own understanding in 1 Peter 5. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal, as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over people, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's called to be a pastor. But if you love Jesus, then you will love and care for his people. That's a key qualification for leadership. So Jesus calls you. Calls you to love him. Calls you to love his people. It might be a call to leadership. And then Jesus goes on to tell Peter how he will die. Sorry, I'm getting really mixed up with the PowerPoint this morning. And basically, in this, in this little passage, Jesus tells um, Peter that he's going to be executed by force. Don't have time to look at it in detail, but he says, this is how you're going to glorify me in your death. So, brief point, Jesus knows how and when you're going to die. Okay, even today. Okay. But one question. What do you need to do now... To make sure that you will glorify Jesus when you die. We haven't got time to think this through. But what do you need to do now? Make sure you'll glorify Jesus when you die. Of course, that means you've got to make sure you're going to make it through. That you're going to be there. uh, You're going to be in the faith when you end, haven't you? But it's the stuff you need to do do now. Big question. I haven't got time to think about it. The the passage ends with a, a strange little episode, doesn't it? So we've talked about kind of total recall in, in the sense of going back and looking over his whole Christian life. We've talked so in terms of kind of recollection. And we've talked about recall in terms of being reinstated. That's so what Jesus does, that's the business that he's in. But there's also this issue of responsibility. There's this little episode at the end. We get the sense that, that, that Jesus has, has drawn, drawn Peter away. They're having a little conversation. They've walked off over here. And uh, while they're going... Peter looks back, um, and he sees John falling behind. He can't, he can't help, and he says, "What's going on here? What do you think?" Is he, is he? He says, um, "What's he saying?" He says, "What about him?" Well, What's he saying? He, he's either just being his old, you know, he's, he's either being a bit nosy, isn't he? Well, what about John? Or he's either being his old kind of competitive self. Okay, so you've called me, um, you're calling me to, be, to feed your sheep. What, what about John? What does he get? Does he get to share responsibility of looking after the sheep? Or maybe, what about John? How is, how is he going to die? And Jesus initially gives a cryptic answer which says, um, uh, <laughs> I'm not telling you, basically, about John. But there is one thing you need to take notice of. Peter. That is, I want you to concentrate on your own Christian life and to follow me. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. So sometimes when, we, when we've failed, or just sometimes in the Christian lives, we look around and we think, gosh, it's so much easier for them. Sometimes we think, gosh, it's so much harder for them. Sometimes we think, oh, gosh, they're in a position of leadership. Um, <coughs> Or whatever it might be, and, and Jesus says, stop thinking about them. Okay, you just pick up your cross and, uh, and follow me. What is before you is unique. It's different than what is in front of anybody else. So stop comparing, and take responsibility for your own Christian life. Do it totally, and without comparison. So Peter had been double-minded, You and I have been double minded. We've failed to be single minded about Jesus. I guarantee it. You've said one thing to him in private and another thing in public. Or maybe you've failed him in some way which you feel is disastrous. Maybe like Peter, through pride, through being petrified, through being prayerless. Or maybe you've failed in, in such a way you feel like you're not really sure whether you love Jesus at all. And here is the solution. Recall. Go back over your Christian life. Where and when have you met Christ? What did he say to you? What is that experience of uh, when you first came to the cross, when you first understood Grace go back and rehear that so that's what jesus is doing for peter go back and rehear that call renew that acquaintance remind yourself uh, of those encounters with jesus fundamentally come back to the cross jesus is in, is in the business of reinstating people Always, always, there is always a second chance, and as we've often said uh, to the young people, you might go many steps away from Christ, you might go many, many steps off the path, but there's only one step to get back on, and that is come back to Jesus, um, come and ask for forgiveness, come back to the cross, and you can do that at any point in time. But remember how much you've been forgiven, because when we remember how much we've been forgiven, that drives our love for Christ. And then take responsibility. Don't try to take responsibility for other people's Christian lives in in the sense of comparing yourself with them. Just take responsibility for your own walk. And hear this call of Jesus. Do Do you love me? That's the thing you need to deal with today. Do you love me, Jesus says? And if so, follow me. And die. So just for a moment, I just want you to kind of um, put yourself on a metaphorical beach, around a metaphorical fire, um, with Jesus, just hear a little bit of that excitement of John says, "It's the Lord." And if you're feeling like Peter, then you, then you come. I guess we always do as sinners with a, with a mixture of oh, uh, excitement and trepidation. Lord Jesus, we want to sit with you and eat with you. We want to have you feed as we feel so weak in our natural selves. Lord, we've been double minded people. We've said one thing in one place and said another thing in another. Oh, Lord, we would like to love you with all our heart and all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. But we forget. Other things that we love kind of draw in and take precedence. And we end up saying either out loud or by our actions. No, we don't know him. And nor do we regret that. We regret that, but we know that you went to the cross for the forgiveness of precisely this kind of behavior. And you sat on the cross, you said, it's finished, it's done, enough payment. And that was for me and my brothers and sisters here. It's finished, it's enough. Enough not just for today and all that is, uh, all that's blameworthy in our lives, but for all that we will do. And we thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. You send us your spirit to transform us. We thank you. We can look back and you have been with us and you have spoken to us. You've met us along the way. But we want you to remind us of that today and this week. Please may we have a little of uh, by your spirit of where we've been and where we've walked. Pray that you will recall us. You will reinstate us. And we ask for your strength. Without uh, without your strength, we can't even take up the responsibility to walk our own lives. Please, Holy Spirit, walk in us. Help us to walk in the works, the good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, Jesus.